Welcome to Warren Radio, with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings. It is a Friday here. Sunny, blue sky, and it's going to be fairly warm for us. You're listening to uh, Friday morning edition of Warren Radio. This is Sound the Shofar. Tower is not here. This has been the week of Passover and Unleavened Bread. Passover was on the 8th. Unleavened Bread goes from the 9th through the 15th. And then you have April 10th actually begins first groups. Begins the weeks we count down to Pentecost. New moon this month, uh, April 24th and May 23rd, respectively. We've got uh, some nice weather today. we got a bunch of rain tomorrow, followed by a snowstorm with quite a bit of snow coming in. Don't you love it? Yeah, well, that's the way it is in this country, especially in the spring. Today, we're going to be talking about infallible proof, redemptive inheritance of the saints. This is part six of this series. All correspondence regarding the broadcasts or getting hold of us or whatever go to our contact page on warren-usa.com. For those of you that do a lot on uh, smartphones and stuff, we have uh, some years ago we changed our formats in order to respectively uh, touch and, you know, the audience out there for smartphones and stuff like that. And, uh, One of the things that uh, we do through our websites, because we are and have always been connected with WordPress, and we have uh, top-of-the-line companies that we work with that provide us with a course for a fee that uh, I install and get in there. In other words, what that means is the websites are very secure and uh, they work real well. All the shows that we do, you can listen right on our uh, websites. They have a little article with them to help explain what the show is. We've been doing this for years and years and years, over well, a long time. And so, at any rate, we have a lot of people that uh, follow the, you know, our blog, which contains a lot of articles and all the all the shows and many of them uh, do so through the WordPress app that works real well to know what we're, what we have published. They make comments and stuff like that. So, uh, and I do follow through uh, the WordPress app as well, but we are on a lot of others. We have uh, quite a collection of, various companies that uh, provide uh, for shows like ours to get around, like Blueberry, uh, 
we've been using Blueberry for a long time. iHeartRadio, we've been real popular on iHeartRadio. Um, iTunes Player and Apple Podcasts. iTunes have always been strong for us. Uh, we've had uh, a few changes over the years and uh, things like that. But, uh, and you know, everybody changes as they do this, especially when you're in technology. Uh, Spreaker, it, it, I recommend Spreaker quite a bit. It, it's a good, uh, good uh, format, and it has a good app. Uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Podcast, uh, Anchor, Podchaser. <laughs> and we're looking at uh, getting on Amazon. Um, it just a lot of different places, and the effort is to get the word around the world to those who need to hear. And uh, so that's what we do. We spread the word through the uh, World Wide Web. And over the years, we have broadcast through shortwave, satellite, FM. And uh, now our focus is primarily in the smaller devices uh, and uh, through the World Wide Web because a lot of people listen that way. So at any rate, some information. Uh, as far as social media, uh, some of the latest ones that we were on, I think we've been on there probably pretty much a year on USA.life and MeWe. Um, we have a number of people that are in in the groups and various things like that, but uh, I don't, uh, I'm not a real big social media dude. I, It's there. If people want to use it, that's fine. But we don't do discussions and theological things uh, on our social sites. And uh, if you have anything that you need to discuss, you contact me through the contact page. That's the way it is. Uh, but we do have all the shows and a lot of the things that we do. We have a lot of things that are automated because of the way I've set it up. Of course, I've got to set it up. And so we do that uh, on a daily, weekly basis as well. We're always, and that provides a steady stream of uh, articles, information and stuff going to all of our websites. People keep informed that way. Uh, articles to read, I have over the years written a tidal wave of articles. And I've written, I think, four books. Um, I'm working on my latest series, the Steel series. The second book in the series is The Rising. And because of the this uh, corona thing that happened, it's uh, kind of um, slowed us down on finishing the book. I'm real close, but I've been able to work on it because of that. There's just a lot of issues that we're, we're dealing with at the time. And... Uh, of course, uh, we did uh, uh, work on the show uh, Thursday night, but we had technical issues with one of our computers, and so I had to stop, and we weren't able to broadcast, so I had to fix that, so I spent Thursday night doing that. 
But uh, we will do that show again next Thursday. Uh, we didn't do it twice, but I'll do it for the first time next next week. Um, and that's our Isaiah series. It's a long series. It's intended to be long because I intend to go through the entire book of Isaiah, period. And uh, I've been going to do it, and uh, and we're doing it now. We're in part uh, 46 now. And I anticipate uh, we're probably right now maybe a third of the way through where we're going to be by the time we're done. We'll have 150 uh, parts or 150 hours of teaching on Isaiah, if you can understand that. So um, it's quite a series, and I want to try to make it available in CD and things like that as well to get everything together. This is something that I feel is very important and it relates uh, some of the some of the most wonderful prophecies of Christ are found in Isaiah. So at any rate, a couple of articles: Enduring Hope, No Continuing City. Of course, if you live in America, there's a lot of times that uh, uh, we have hope in America. Uh, my family and Tower's family go way back. Um, her relatives were actually settlers. Uh, her uh, grandmother, I forgot how many back it is, but she was one of the first women uh, in the area in Wyoming when they moved here. Uh, my grandfather and grandmother were homesteaders in this area. And uh, so we pretty much, uh, and some of our other roots go back to the Revolutionary War and even further than that. Now on my side, my family goes clear back to the beginning of this country uh, when we had land in a place called New York City. It wasn't New York at that time. But at any rate, that's the way it is today. This is not the America that it used to be, but it's the America we have. And so we have to make the best of it, believe God, and move forward. Because there's a lot of politics and wickedness going on. Another story, perilous times, right side of God in history. That kind of describes what it's like in America, perilous times. But it's really perilous around the world. We have an advocacy for the persecuted church broadcast on Wednesday nights. This week we did it on Tuesday because of... Uh, of uh, <clears throat> Passover, and of course, uh, a lot of the regular church is is honoring all this through uh, the Passover, uh, you know, the Easter week, and uh, so at any rate, as long as Christ is lifted up, I'm I'm fine with that. So check out these articles, Enduring Hope in Perilous Times. Those are, those are key words, folks, for the day. Enduring Hope in the Midst of Perilous Times. That's probably another article. <laughs> so at any rate, join us. Visit us on our websites. Visit us on our social sites. And... Tower and I both hope that you're doing really good. I guess you could say as well as can be. Now, around here, the coronavirus has caused uh, some trouble. 
we do have uh, certain distancing rules and things like this, like everybody else. But uh, in this neck of the woods, the biggest threat uh, from the coronavirus has been to uh, institutions that had people in. Some of the biggest outbreaks have been from that. And then the other outbreaks have actually been in some of the more liberal areas of our state for some reason. I, You know, <laughs> we could get political and tell you it's because they're liberals, but, uh, you know, th- this is a horrible thing. We don't want it on anybody. But, uh, you know, it is something that uh, some of our you know, biggest outbreaks have come from institutions that should have watched it. And uh, I'm very familiar with institutions because I've had people that I visited in them. Tower and I, in the beginning, uh, we actually went to an Alzheimer ward and uh, we would read scripture to them and talk to them. And uh, the one thing we found out about Alzheimer's, those who have lost, they don't know who they are. These were bad cases. They had to be taken care of. I and mean, they're the ones that we were given the word to. And uh, you could always tell if they had been in church or Christians because they lost their memory of everything else, but that's what they held on to. They knew they would sit there and sing songs and they would talk about their pastor and how he taught it. And it, it, it was it was interesting, but then there was others who would just curse and, you know, totally different spirit about them. So you can, you can tell there's a lot of things that we need to pay attention to in life and you need to be thankful. Even in the midst of the coronavirus here, uh, for everything we're doing, we're doing good here. Uh, and, uh, from what we've heard from some of our friends, they're hunkering down and doing good. And uh, look to the Lord. He'll take care of you. Now, uh, today, we're going to be in Acts. Acts 1, the former treatise, a treatise topic, discourse, narrative. This is Luke writing, and he already wrote another one, which was Luke, the Gospel of Luke. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a a study Bible um, like the sword and a lot of the others that uh, are out there that you can use on your computer that's called Theophilus. So Luke is writing this particular narrative following what happened with the apostles of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now see, he had wrote the former treatise of everything that Jesus did and taught. And now he is writing in Acts. In Luke 1, he says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. This is important. We needed this. 
even as they delivered them to us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Now, see, this is the important thing about the apostles. They were eyewitnesses. We believe today because of that eyewitness, and that fulfills uh, the law. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. In this case, there was a lot more. And it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. These are all. So what we're looking at then is infallible proof. And for most people, a lot of people, in order to believe, they have to see it. If you show me, I will believe. But that's not the way it is. You believe. The scripture makes it clear. For without faith is it impossible. It is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You have to believe that he is, that he exists. And if you don't believe it exists, you're not going to be able to believe in it because, of course, it doesn't exist. That's just common sense. That's just the way it is. But see, when we're dealing in the area of faith and what Christ has done, he said, blessed are those who believe and have never seen You see, when Jesus, Yahshua, was raised from the dead, he appeared unto the apostles. Thomas wasn't there. We call him Doubting Thomas. And then one time when Thomas was there, the Lord appeared and said, Look, see my, see my body. Feel my bones. This is a real body, real bones. And that's one thing we know about his uh, new body, is that it was real flesh, real bone, real blood, I mean, everything, except he could appear and disappear. He could even appear to people, um, and they didn't recognize him. He could go through walls, and he could also eat because he ate fish with the apostles. He did a lot of things. So there's some things that just by looking at his body after his resurrection, and, of, and uh, of course here, when Mary had seen him, he said, don't touch me, for I have not ascended to the Father. So in between the time that Mary had seen him, he had ascended to the Father. But he also went back and it was appearing to um, uh, the apostles. Now, see, he had to have already ascended because when he had seen Mary, he had just been resurrected, and she saw him. And he said, don't touch me, for I have not ascended to the Father. So he ascended to the Father, and and I believe that when we look at Revelation, where it shows the scene of the Lamb being crucified and him overcoming and all the praise. I believe that was his arrival in heaven before the Father. 
And so he did that. Then he went back and and appeared to the apostles. And so doubting Thomas was there. And he said, put your finger in the hole. Feel. And Thomas believed at that point. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. One of the things my dad, who had accepted the Lord at an Amy Simple McPherson meeting during the Azusa Street revivals and everything, when all that was going on, my grandmother, who was a Christian woman, took him and his two siblings to the meeting, and he was the only one that got saved. He went down by himself. The others didn't do it. That that took a lot of courage for him, and all of his life he lived to be a ripe old age, and all of his life he, he remembered that, never forgot it, and always believed in the Lord. But the one thing, one scripture that he would always remember is that the Lord had said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Well, he's with the Lord now and he's seen him, so surely he believes. So in Acts 1, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, that's one of them, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now that wasn't all of the infallible proofs, but that was, he was seen of them 40 days. He was seen uh, at before as many as 500 at once. And they also saw him ascend in a cloud. Now, when you get down to infallible proof, that was enough for them. And being assembled together with them, and he he being with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. That's That happens in Acts 2. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. The Lord said he would send him, and it was imperative for him to go away so that he would send it. Send him, rather. And so when we look back on this, we have the Bible, we have the presence of the Spirit of God, and His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We see miracles and signs and wonders still being done in the name of Yahshua, Jesus Christ. 
We see people delivered from some of the most vile things. Deliverances, miracles, signs and wonders, we have them. So infallible proof, meaning that thing which cannot be ignored. He wasn't in the grave. He was out of the grave. He wasn't a spirit. Real skin and bone, a real person in a glorified body. It's hard for us to understand how this works because we are infallible. I mean, we're fallible, rather. (laughs) We will be infallible. We are subject to the passions of the human nature. But yet through Christ and his spirit, we are able to walk in the spirit instead of walking in the lusts of the flesh. The Lord went on to explain, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then it says, when they therefore were come together, they ask of him. Now remember, this is going to be the last time they're going to see him, and they know it. So they want to know, since he came back, this is what they wanted to know. Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Now, see, we are in the uttermost part of the earth in America. It's been a bastion of Christianity and faith. Now it's a bastion. It has Christianity. It has faith. But it has vileness. It has wickedness. And we're divided. And we are in the end of days. And there's those people who think they can do things and still get into the kingdom of God that way. They can't. The only one way is through the Son of God, and you have to repent and walk in his light as he is in the light, First John 1. Of course, you have to receive him, John chapter 1. And you have to be born again of his spirit, John chapter 3. In addition to that, you can get into Romans 3 through 7. That will talk about confession of sins. Or with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But there's a difference. There's a power. And that's what these, this group, it just wasn't apostles. There was 150 of them in the upper room waiting for that. And for the people after that, now see, The apostles and those that were assembled with them had seen the Lord. And even with that, there was some of them in the group that weren't apostles. There's a lot of them that weren't apostles, and they had seen the Lord. Because he appeared to a lot of people, but he did not appear to those who didn't believe. He could have appeared to the chief priest, but he didn't. He went and he appeared. That's why the scripture says he will appear to those that look for him. 
You have to look for him. You have to watch for him. You have to long. You have to have hope. And see, this is one of the weapons that the devil tries to use, and that is get Christians so caught up that they lose hope. They don't think about when he's coming back or don't look forward to it. All, if, you know, all he has to do is get them busy with life. And the one thing I like about them and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now, see, you would be standing there watching, too. Now, see, we've got planes, and there's even people that levitate. But, you know, we're talking about the Son of God who these people believed he was the son of God and looked at him, lived with him, saw him crucified. They saw him dead. And then suddenly after three days, he's alive again. And he looks the same as he was before. Only now he has marks where he had been crucified on the cross and he can do so much more. He appears and disappears, but yet he's real flesh. See, we can't do that. We've got flesh and bone, but we can't just disappear unless we go hide somewhere. But he literally, and we can't also stand on a cloud and get lifted up. But here he was. He was able to just stand on a cloud that, you know, he just lifted up. So they're going to watch him go out of sight. And you can see him, you know, if you think about it. Just looking at him where he's close. And all of a sudden he starts lifting up after he says his goodbyes. And they keep seeing him going up and up and up and up and up. And they're still straining and they see a little dot. And then all of a sudden he's gone. So they continue to look up there and, and they're looking up, you know. I mean, he really did go up. Did you see that, Peter? Yeah, I saw that. Can you believe it? Look at that. I mean, you can just imagine. Wouldn't you be amazed? I'd be amazed. I've, I've listened to a lot of good preachers in my life. And I've seen some miracles, but I can tell you. Man. Yeah. Getting in a helicopter in a plane is not a miracle. That's technology. That's science. So they're standing there. In their day, they didn't have helicopters. They didn't have planes. They didn't have technology. So, of course, they're going to believe because they've never seen anything like that. You get in our modern atheistic, godless world of technology, the answer to us many times is technology. But even with your technology, old men, you're still sinners. The technology isn't going to save your soul. Matter of fact, I've said for years and years that technology will enslave you. That's exactly what it'll do. Look at your social media, what it's done to the kids that's on it all the time. Social media has almost destroyed our nation because of the way it is. It is amoral, and at the same time, it is immoral. Now, we use this technology to get the gospel out, and, and there's a lot of good that it can do, and you can get information. But to make this into a God, 
or a robot like they want to do. I've been doing this for years and years and years. When technology first came out and computers started going and the Internet was at 1,200 kilobytes, I was there. I was among some of the first people in this whole state that had a computer and was doing stuff online. There wasn't many of us. It was brand new. And now look at us. Yeah, we didn't have pictures. We didn't have video. We didn't have all the things you have today. Things have changed. But it's technology. Now, see, they're looking at this guy, their Lord, float up in the sky, and this ain't something they have seen before. I'd be still standing there, too, looking up. So there's two angels who stood by them. It says two men. And, and in Scripture, that's usually what it says. is They call them men standing by in, in white raiment. And they said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now that's, they're speaking of the second coming. When he comes again as Lord of Lord and Kings of King and King of Kings, the Almighty, he's coming back. So that snapped him into reality. He's gone now. He's really gone. We really lived with him. We really heard him. We we ate meals with him. We saw him persecuted and died. We saw him resurrected. We saw him when he came back. He left us instructions. And yes, we abode together in an upper room. The Holy Spirit came and fire was upon all of us and we spoke in other tongues. Now see, that is their truth. And to us, this truth is infallibility. It is our witness of the infallible nature of the Lord that reveals to us that the testimony of these Jews were true. And there were also Gentiles that believed. Now, see, Peter, if you just look at his sermon, there's 14 verses of it. Actually, more than that. But you see... And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is Acts 2.1, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as of fire that set upon each of them. This is where we look at Pentecost. We also remember on Sinai, and when the Lord was in the mount, and it was covered in fire and smoke. And the sight was so frightening that the children of Israel told Moses, don't let him speak to us. We don't want to talk to him face to face. You go and talk to him, and then you can tell us what he says, and we'll do it. It was a frightening thing. Moses writes about it. And so... At the appearance of the power of the Lord on Sinai, there was smoke and there was fire. 
There was sounds and rumblings. It scared them to death. Now, on this day of Pentecost, there was a sound of a Russian mighty wind, and it filled the whole place, and fire appeared on each of them. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with under their tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, of course, from here you go into various theologies. I'm not going to do that. But there's whole groups of denominations today. The Baptists are probably one of the most popular that don't believe in uh, speaking with other tongues. They believe that, that you are filled with the Spirit of God. And, and you are. You, when you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. But this is the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking of the tongues, which they, they do not. Many of them do not believe in it, and they're not the only ones. So over the years, you have whole entire teachings, people that are doctors of theology that will teach you that this never is meant for people today, which is a lie. And, you know, and of course, people say, well, how can you say that? They're doctors of theology. They know. Well, I got news for you. Those doctors of theology were taught by other men who were deceived as well, who were taught by other men who were deceived as well. Nevertheless, whether you believe this or not really doesn't change the fact at all that it exists. But the thing of it is, of course, this was Pentecost. And at Pentecost, it's one of the required feasts to go to Jerusalem. So gathered around, you know, and God planned this. And that's where we go 50 days and, you know, it is uh, 7 times 7 is 49 plus 1 is 50. That's what Pinta is. Pentecost, 50 days. And of course, Pentecost was that another feast, another thing where they would present offerings before the Lord. And they were all gathered around there. Of course, Peter got up where they could hear him and began to speak. First of all, they heard everybody speaking, and they were saying these men are full of new wine. And, of course, Peter stood up with the eleven and lifted up his voice and told them that... uh, These are not drunken, as you may think. And he specifically quotes Prophet Joel, I will pour out of my flesh, of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. And he quotes the whole scripture out of Joel, and then he says, As shall come to pass, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, it's interesting here because what he begins to tell them is the witness. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. He was talking to people who had seen this. They all hadn't seen this, but they had all had heard of it because they were people gathered at Pentecost from all over. And it says he was determined, he was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, 
and you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So that's the cross. Whom God raised up, that's the resurrection, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And so he quotes a scripture from as David spoke. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, and neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life, and thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. And so he begins then to tell them the fulfillment of the prophets, what the Lord had done. Now, see, this is their witness. He said, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you, the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. He's explaining what I read earlier. This is this Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. That's the infallible thing. We have witnesses, and according to the word of God, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And these are the apostles who lived with him, worked with him, ate with him. They camped out together. They did everything together. This is also the Peter speaking that denied Christ, and now Peter is standing up in power preaching this sermon. That's what the Holy Spirit, your testimony will be with power. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Now see, the Holy Ghost is what made the testimony of Peter so powerful. <clears throat> and that's what he's saying. That's what you see in here. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. <clears throat> And they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from the sun toward generation. Now, you see, it's interesting when you look at this. Now, the results of Peter's address, they became believers steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. 
they were steadfastly in fellowship one with another. They broke bread together. And it, they were a bunch of prayer warriors. Fear came on every soul. A move of God. When you have a move of God, a real true move of God, fear comes upon every soul. And people put off the sins. They reject it. They fear God. This is not a fear of death, but this is a fear and a respect and a reverence to do what he says. Wonders and signs were being done. They all believed together. They had all things in common. They sold their goods and parted to those who needed it. They shared continually daily in the temple. Now, see, that's in the temple. Later on, they weren't able to do that. Matter of fact, because this thing took off, persecution arose in Jerusalem because if it hadn't arose, really, uh, they had all stayed in Jerusalem. But the Lord said, you know, the gospel must first go. You'll be witness of me in Jerusalem and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth all over. And see, the thing of it is, the promise is not just to Peter and the boys, Peter and those who heard them, but it's to you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, you and I are in even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and we are really afar off from the time this happened. And we're also far off from the apostles' doctrine in many places. We, we belong and we cherish church doctrine in churches. And we have made the church into a whole other thing than what it really is. The church, the ecclesia, are the people. Christ said, I wouldn't be in the church. He said, I will be in the midst of you, meaning the believers. Where two or more believers are there in his name, he would be in the midst of them. So when you have believers in a building, any kind of a building, and they are in Christ, they're worshiping and they're concentrating and focusing on the Lord, the Lord is in the middle, and God can really move that way. So then we associate today many times the fact that that move of God is because of the pastor. The move of God is because it's the church. The move of God is because the doctrine is right. And so we push church doctrine over loving one another. We are separated. Denomination means division. But see, yet we are the temples of God. That's what the Lord said. It doesn't mean we can't gather in a building. It doesn't mean we can't have these kind of institutions. But the institution which is man-made is not greater than the Lord who saved the people who are in it. And whenever your doctrine that you think you're following makes you not love one another as Christian believers, then you're following the wrong doctrine. Because by this shall they know you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Now, see, when you look at the early church, and, and of course, I went to a certain Bible school up in North Dakota. And one of the first books written on the early church, I mean, in my lifetime, was by this guy who 
was on the connected to the church. I mean the the Bible school up there. And he had broke down this particular Acts two forty one through forty seven, the characteristics. And at that time, we were talking about koinonia groups in the Greek. Koinonia is is the Greek fellowship. And um, and even today, you know, um, I read a testimony uh, from uh, Times Square Church, uh, the pastor. Um, that is of that uh, had said that they had begun doing small groups a long time ago. So now all over New York, because they can't meet together, they've got all these small groups meeting in the name of the Lord. Now, see, we know small groups just like this is how China, the Christians in China succeeded. This is, this is the church. And so whenever you live in a society that okays millionaire evangelists and multimillionaire churches and where the churches become modern corporations with the pastor at its head and many of them get, you know, <clears throat> a special tax free status, they live to have money, to be wealthy, to have... I mean, that's America, though. See, that's what we've accepted. Now, they're going to have to answer to the Lord for whatever they may be doing. Everybody will. But what I'm trying to tell you, folks, is, is that if you go around the world where the church is being persecuted, you're not going to find, in many cases, churches anymore because they're burned to the ground. And many of those Christians that are in those churches were originally evangelized from Western by Western missionaries who said it's important for you to have a church building. And for them, it was. Have a place to gather. But the problem you run into is when the enemy, like ISIS or some other radical Islamic or even Hindu or like the communist government or like Kim Jong-un in North Korea, they don't have any buildings. There is no buildings in North Korea that are so-called churches where people can be free. There's not such a thing. They hate it. In China, they're destroying all the churches. And if you get into the Middle East, many of the churches are targeted. ISIS, when they went through Syria and Iraq, their one goal was to destroy every cross, pillage every church, and burn it down or use it for their own. And many of those people were lost. We don't have a church. What do we do? Well, two or three families get together, and you have church in your house. Well, see, then if you get in Iran, which is exactly what they did, they started cracking down, especially on the Christians, where they had too many people gathering in houses. And then, of course, the same thing happened in Egypt. The same thing, you know, is, is happening in India and Pakistan. And so uh, the enemies of God, so to speak, have uh, become to the part when they see all these Christians doing this, 
then they break up the home meetings and, and that's what they're doing now. So uh, they don't have a church and now the home meeting is broken up. Well, what do you do then when persecution gets so bad, like it was in the Roman empire who had 10 major persecutions against Christians? Well, you wind up going underground into the catacombs or you find some place that is safe. You sneak out late at night you have your services in the middle of the night, early in the morning, where nobody can hear you. But it's hard to do in many areas. What I'm trying to tell you, America, you've had it easy. Oh, yeah, we've had a lot of things. My forefathers, my one grandfather went through World War II. My other grandfather patrolled the coast in World War II, the American coast. He is working for the government my dad was a Navy medic in the South Pacific. I was a third-generation Navy man. We've gone through hard times. Yes, this is a hard time. But it's not near as hard as some people are today who not only have this persecution, now they've got the COVID, and some of them can't work because everybody has to stay home, and there's no money, and so there's some native ministries that are trying to make the difference up by giving them packs of food going around, but they got to be careful. You see, this is what it is about. So when we talk about it being infallible proof, there is an infallible proof here <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing of it is, is even today we have people that don't believe because they don't see. Because we're so used to having, you know, money and wealth and having everything provided for us. I call you to arise today to the challenge. Believe the scripture. Get into the word and understand that this God is in you. And seek him. Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless those who hear this whenever they do. Guide them, direct them, watch over them, and keep them. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, in the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word in Jesus' name. Don't forget to go by our websites, warn-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. Also, check out all the articles. Be sure to share them online. We have three Twitter feeds. We're on Facebook. We're on Tumblr. We're on MeWe. We're on USA.life, which is USA.life is a Facebook, Twitter type uh, alternative. MeWe is a secure, it's like Telegram. It's very secure. As far as not everybody, your information is, is your information. So we have groups uh, and we put a lot of posts and things on there. 
So check these things out. And don't walk in fear concerning COVID. You know, the big thing now is social distancing. I go into one store and everybody has a mask on. I go into another store, nobody has masks on. I go into some stores and they have one-way aisles in order to keep people socially distanced. And so now everybody becomes a carrier, see? Everybody can be a carrier. So there's fear that's going out. Even around here, there's fear. People hide. You know, we were in the store yesterday and we were trying to pass by some woman and she was nasty. Doesn't surprise me. I've been in Walmart and had little old ladies sneer at me and tell me to get out of the way when I was just standing there with my wife looking at something on the shelf. We're following another lady. I mean, we were behind her quite a ways. There's people behind me. I mean, you're in Walmart for crying out loud. She she turned around to us and said, why are you following me? <laughs> Kept coming. Lady, we're all following you. Look behind me, you know. So people can be crazy. That's the point. Be careful. Kind of like driving. Father, we thank you again for this time. Folks, take care of yourself. From Tower and I, blessings, shalom. Have a great weekend. We love you and pray for you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.